Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Welcome to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your hosts this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski. And I am your other co-host, Pamela Bentley. And we are happy to have in studio today, Rodney DeCrew. Hi, Rodney. Hi, R.C. Hi, Pam. And Rodney's here because of some things we'll talk about <coughs> later, but he's here because of Al Purdy. And mm. so um, we ask people to start off with a poem, and I think you're going to read one of Al Purdy's poems. To I'm going to start with one of Al's poems. It's my favorite Al Purdy poem. It's called Transient. Riding the boxcars out of Winnipeg in a morning after rain so close to the violent sway of fields, it's like running and running naked with summer in your mouth. And the guy behind you grunts and says, got a smoke? (laughs) Being a boy scarcely a moment. And you hear the rumbling iron roadbed singing under the wheels at night and a door jerking open, mile after dusty mile, riding into Regina with the dust storm crowding behind you. And a guy you hardly even spoke to nudges your shoulder chummily and says, got a smoke? (laughs) Riding into the Crow's Nest Mountains with your first beard itching and a hundred hungry guys fanning out through the shabby whistle stops for handouts and not even a sandwich for 200 miles. Only the high mountains and knowing what it's like to be not quite a child anymore and listening to the tough men talk of women and talk of the way things are in 1937. Riding down in the spit gray sea level morning through dockyard streets and dingy dowager houses with ocean a jump away and the sky beneath you in puddles on Water Street and an old Indian woman pushing her yawning, scratching daughter onto a balcony to yell at the boy man passing, want some fun? Come on up. And the girl just come from riding the shrieking bed spring bronco all the up and down night to a hitch post morning full of mothers and dirt and lice and hardly the place for a princess of the Coast Salish. My dove, my little one, Tonight there will be wine and the loins of a dozen men to pin you down in the outlying lands of sleep, innocent as a child, awaiting the last of all your bridegrooms. Stand in the swaying boxcar doorway, moving east away from the sunset, and after a while the eyes digest a country and the belly perceives a mapmaker's vision in dust and dirt on the face and hands. Here, its smell drawn deep through the nostrils, 
down to the lungs and spurts through bloodstream, campaigns in the lower intestine and chants love songs to the kidneys. <laughs> After a while, there is no arrival and no departure possible anymore. You are where you were always going and the shape of home is under your fingernails. The borders of yourself grown into certainty. The identity of forests that were always nameless. The selfhood of rivers that are changing always. The nationality of riding freight trains through the depression over long green plains and high mountain country with the best and the worst of a love that's not to be spoken. And a guy right behind you says then, got a smoke? You give him one and stand in the boxcar doorway or looking out the window of a Montreal apartment or running the machines in a Vancouver factory. You stand there, growing older. That kind of smoke thing is almost like a chorus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. And what collection is that from? Well, it's in, uh, this is the, a Purdy Selected um, from quite a ways back. It was like uh, 1970s. Yeah, was it was edited, it was put the, out by McClellan and Stewart. Um, 1972. can tell from the graphics. And uh, George Woodcock, <laughs> I believe, oh, yeah. is the editor. You know, one of the things that I, I realized when I was reading about uh, Al Purdy last night and reading Beyond Forgetting um, is that he edited the um, collection that I used to teach from for poetry oh. when I was a high school teacher. When I first started teaching high school, I didn't really like poetry. And it was tough to teach it, so yeah. I had to like learn how to teach it. Mm -hmm. And then as I did that... I came to love poetry and then started writing it myself. But yeah, he was, um, I can't remember, it was like Storm, Storm Still or something like that. or some. I can't remember, but I realized oh, from the cover of the book, I was like, oh, that's why I recognize it as 70s graphics. <laughs> so that, that idea of it being a chorus, right? Mm -hmm. um, the show tomorrow night is mm -hmm. poetry and music. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so the concert tomorrow night at the Colch. It's half concert, half poetry reading, half book launch. Well, I guess a third concert, third poetry reading, third book launch. And a fundraiser. And a fundraiser. For it's like the A-frame. The Alperti A-frame society, yeah. Um, the, the goal ultimately is to celebrate 100 years of Alperti because mm -hmm. Al would have been 100 years old on, will be 100 years old on December 30th. Next month, yeah. yeah. Um, and Harbor's putting out this new book, so they were talking about having a launch, and then uh, I talked to Annie at harbor and uh -huh. yeah so i'm going to be playing a concert with my band in the second half and the first half we'll have readings by various poets reading their tribute poems from the right. book ian williams rob taylor wednesday, wednesday hudson yeah uh myself howard white the uh publisher um yeah and all the ticket proceeds will, will be going to the a-frame society after you know after the bills are paid well, it's cool i think it's going to be a bit of a who's who of the literati in vancouver tomorrow night well they got me on the bill so i'm letting <laughs> i'm letting down uh, uh -huh. the who's who and the things but. oh come on now everybody's got a different kind of who they are who's That's right. in the who's who um are you in the big room or the we're in the historic theater oh yeah, great which yeah. is my favorite place yeah. it's a beautiful place mm -hmm. so the the music stuff have you ever written were you inspired by any al purdy poetry to write songs well I or mean, just poems i often write I've written songs after reading Al, but none of the songs have ever specifically addressed like a poem mm -hmm. or something of his that I've read. I, you know, the funny thing is, is usually before I write songs or poetry, I go through a lot of... I know I'm about to because I do a lot of reading. Okay. I start reading a lot of poets. Yes. 
<laughs> on purpose? <laughs> or? No, it just kind of happens. I start going, oh, i got to dig in and read. And then it's like, yeah. but I almost never um, address like a specific poem or song that I've read in a poem or song. Yeah. You know, because some people do that, right? The so, response thing or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I don't think I've ever done that. I haven't written a poem in a long time. And when I was reading the book yesterday, by the time I had finished reading the book, I could feel like two or three mm. poems just kind of circling in my mind, like mm -hmm. a line here and a line there. And, you know, like I just need to like go back and pin them down. And I haven't had that feeling for a long time. That's nice. Yeah. And the other thing is that the with the songs that I noticed that Bruce Coburn has, an, has on his latest album, he has a song called Three Al Purdy's, mm -hmm. which was inspired by him being asked to contribute to this collection. To that yeah. yeah. And oh yeah, it was for the documentary. Mm -hmm. Alfred was here. Yeah, and he said that he had he had just finished his autobiography and he was or his memoir and he wasn't sure he was going to be able to write songs anymore. <laughs> but doing reading Al Purdy's poetry, huh. which he had never really paid attention to, and which is a surprising given Bruce Coburn's um, you know, his songbook. And he said that reading Al Purdy's poetry inspired him and all of a sudden he started writing again. And Three Al Purdy's is kind of like the poem you just read, the transient, right? He imagines this guy on the street ranting, but what he's actually doing is quoting Al Pur Purdy poetry mm. and he's like, Three Al Purdy's for 20 bucks. And, <laughs> and, and so if you, you know, we, if you get a chance, listeners, and you too, to listen to that Bruce Coburn song if you haven't already, because um, I got that album when we had um, the Poet Laureate um, who did Refugium, because he had written us, uh, okay. Bruce Coburn had written a, a song for that, so we played it during that show. And so then I was like, oh, wait, it's in the same album. I have it on my oh, wow. computer. Well, the first time I spoke to Al, I was... Oh, sorry. No, it's, go ahead. The first time <laughs> I spoke to Al... Uh, oh. I might know you're on the phone. Yeah, but it was I had been reading his poetry. Oh, okay. It was Naked with Summer in Your Mouth had just come out. It was the nineties. Great title. And and I had been reading his poems and I wrote a poem called An Open Letter to Al Purdy. And uh I thought and it was all about asking him in the poem, Why the hell am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Right? Like I got I'm a young mm -hmm. guy, I got drug and alcohol problems, I you know, I've got mental health issues and now I'm writing poetry and nobody it's awful and nobody wants to read it or listen to it and <laughs> I'm broke and what what is wrong with me? And uh and then I had this bright idea. I'll call him up. Read him the poem. So uh, I don't know if you want to go into that now. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sure, yeah. So uh, I, I picked up the phone. You know, I was living on East First then, and uh, I dialed directly directory assistance, and I said, uh, you know, do you have an Alf, Alfred Purdy in Amelia'sburg, Ohio, and Ohio, um, Ontario? I'm gonna use my American showing. Anyhow, I call him up, and I get the number. I call him up, and he's who? And I, I said, is this how pretty? Of course it is. Well, who is this? And uh, and I said, well, it's, my name's Rodney, and I'm I'm a, I'm a poet. And I'm calling, and he goes, well, of course you are. Who the hell else would be calling me? <laughs> and, uh, and and I said, okay. And uh, I've read all your poetry, and I'm a big admirer. I'm reading your new, newest collection. I've read everything you've written. He goes, no, you've only read the stuff I've published. Uh, uh. The, the stuff that hasn't been published is awful. <laughs> and, 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 and I said, oh, okay, well. And I said, I've written this poem. 
uh, an open letter to Al Purdy. Can I read it to you? He said, well, I guess I can't stop you. And, and, uh, <laughs> he did hang up, but he didn't. No, he didn't. And I read the poem, and the beautiful thing was, is he la- it's a long poem, yeah. and it wasn't a very good poem. <laughs> and he laughed in all the right spots. Yeah. And nice. f- as I was post, you know, reading the questions in the poem, he'd be going, mm-hmm, mm, good point, and things like that, right? <laughs> and when I finished the poem, he said to me, uh, well, that was a hell of a poem, Rodney. And I was like, oh, well, I'm making him sound like uh, Boo Boo. Or some, uh, yeah, <laughs> and you know how he, he that, the voice yeah. he had, yeah. right? It's like everybody has an Alperti invitation. Yeah, well, it's one of those voices you, you just, everybody loves to imitate, right? So I, I, but then, you know, and this was the beautiful thing. Then um, he talked to me for about half an hour about the questions I raised. Oh, good. I was wondering. Yeah. In the poem. Wow. And he said to me, Rod, um, the only thing that matters is the next poem. Mm. And now, that might sound like an easy thing to say when you're at the, nearing the end of an illustrious career and you're being celebrated every time you turn around and you have several books out, you've won awards. And he said all that to me. He said, you know, I've won all these awards and, and, uh, and had lots of books published. He said, but it fades pretty quickly and you just, you know, all you've got is the next poem. But see, I knew a lot about him, and I knew he had written in total obscurity for 35 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. So I knew he wasn't lying to me. Yeah. And hearing that really mattered. And then he just said to me, you know, he said, I think he knew, like, I was kind of, my background was different but similar to his in that I had no education. I didn't come from a strata of society where people grew up to be poets. And uh, he knew that I had to find my own way. And he really, he said, listen, don't worry about creative writing schools or any of that stuff. He says, I don't think that's for you. And he said, just keep writing. And I said, well, what else? And he goes, keep writing. Hmm. And then keep writing. And read as many poets as you can. There you go, yeah. And he always said that to me. Every time we ever talked, he always came back to that. You yeah. know, yeah. just keep writing. You'll figure it out. And what do you think he, he means by that? Or what do you interpret that it's the next poem, the next poem? It's only the next poem. So that's the only it's one that matters? Well, we or have in the middle, middle of writing it? or It's it's the, the need, the impulse, the satisfaction of just writing poems. Mm. Like, that's what we're here to do. And everyone trying to be better than the last one you wrote. I would guess, yeah. Like, I read a bit about him being competitive. Mm-hmm. And then somebody maybe uh, had the insight that he was also competitive with himself. He always wanted to make a better poem than he had written before. Sure. And not as, as long as, you know, as well as a better poem than Earl Burney and a better poem than yeah, yeah. Irving Layton. <laughs> well, poets are competitive. And it seems like the better they are, the more competitive they are, I've found. And especially, like you said, with yourself, because yeah. I mean, if you've got an, you know, sort of, even if you don't have any self-worth, it's like, you know, <laughs> you might believe in the poetry and the poem. And so mm-hmm. that's what you're fighting against. Maybe that's what you're competitive against, even, is yeah. the, poet, the yeah. poem, yeah. not anything else. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in terms of his voice, mm-hmm. Patrick Lane, several times in poems in that collection, called it a sea lion voice. <laughs> and I thought, because uh, I was visiting a friend in Victoria, and she was trying to figure out what she'd heard out in the, and I said, it was probably a sea line, and then I played a sea line. She was like, "That's the sound." <laughs> so then I imagined Al Purdy up in uh, on North Sand, you know, and where he was when he sounds died. Like a, and that sounds like a poem. Yeah, that kind of yeah. sea Forming lion voice. Uh, yeah, maybe, Pam? maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. see, you see what I'm talking about. And moose stepping over barbed wire. That was the other image that I hmm. had that came up. Um, 
so the thing about this book yes. is that one or one of the things about this book is that it's a collection of tributes or poems inspired by or poems mm-hmm. to Al Purdy or about meeting Al mm-hmm. Purdy. And your is yours is included because um Yurthy, his his mm-hmm. widow, had all these poems that people had sent to her and that was the starting place for this book. Yeah, I mean I had sent this book. And yours was Al, one of them. And and and, and Yurth like in the mid, late late 1990s I'd forgotten it even existed mm-hmm. um, yeah and then I got this email from Harbor saying hey uh, Yurith I always say Yurith is it Yurith well I looked it up because I wasn't sure how to pronounce it but you say in the piece that you mispronounced yeah, it but I mean whenever I I've talked to, to her I've said Yurith yeah. um, and she's never corrected me <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well I'm oh probably my. wrong I got it from a an online pronunciation cause, oh, because of okay. that line in your poem. I didn't want to well, get it wrong. who knows? Who knows? I'm probably wrong. I'm, u- I'm usually very gracious wrong. about it. Yeah. So, yeah, they just contacted me out of the blue and said that Yurith had uh, had submitted two of my poems and said she wanted them in. But the, the the one of them, it just it needed too much work. Yeah. yeah. And I said, no, what, can we just go with the one? And they were sure. And so I edited it a little bit. And it was really, it really was touching, actually. Yeah, that they included that she included that poem. Well, and I was really um, happy that a lot of uh, Yurth was mentioned a lot in mm-hmm. poetry, and there were f- several poems that were directed to her mm-hmm. because uh, people have said, and I believe it's true, that he could not have done what he did without her, no. and that she was an, a very, very sharp financial manager as well and was mm-hmm. putting what money little money they had into real estate and you know just managing his whole business end of it and wouldn't we all want one of those oh. like as a poet sometimes our money. minds just don't work that way yeah. right yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're almost 20 minutes into this oh my already goodness. I know so that made me think if you want to hear uh, so would Should you I like to re- read your poem yeah. or play a song I or? would rather read the tribute poem okay. yeah because your Let's... poem is probably about five minutes long so mm. So let's jump right into that. Okay, great. Wow, where does time just I know, I just looked at the clock. I'm so glad that you're keeping time. Our guest today is Rodney DeCrew. He's reading um, Alperti poetry and a poem of his in the uh, Beyond Forgetting, 100 Years of Alperti, which is launching and being celebrated tomorrow night at the Colch at 8 p.m. I believe there are tickets still available for the Historic Theater. Yeah, you can get them online or uh, at the box i got to get mine. Al and Yurith. Sitting in the Vancouver Press Club with Al Purdy and his wife, Yurith, feeling uncomfortable. (laughs) Not sure what to say to the man whose every poem I've read and admired, whose voice sounding the depths in my head has become more familiar than those of my friends, right up there with my wife's voice. But there are places in me his poems have touched, marked, keep out, even to her. (laughs) So what do you say to a man whose words have opened rooms in your head you didn't know existed? What do you say? Not much, because there are no words for it, except maybe fireflies sparkling in the brain, or fox, 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 which I can't say because he's already said it. So I shut up, grateful he's more than willing to direct the conversation. Yet I sit there feeling like a six-year-old, nodding and agreeing with everything he says, forgetting I ever had a thought of my own, jumping up to get peanuts from the bar when Yurth says she's hungry, Wishing I could stop myself, feeling like Polonius must have felt a stuttering sycophant fawning and scraping at the skirts of royalty. But they aren't exactly royalty. More like an old odd couple trying to make an extra buck at the local flea market. Hawking Al's books spread across the table, the prices written out in black marker on a piece of cardboard. 
Al, arguing with Yurith about a pen he's lost, Yurith says never existed, cutting him off saying, Al, it's not worth it, in a tone my grandmother uses to warn my grandfather the discussion has come to an end. <laughs> I go to light up a smoke and Al says Yurith is allergic to cigarette smoke, cats, and him. Yurith, smiling thinly through pressed lips. Al's getting impatient complaining loudly because he wants to read so he can get back to the Sandman Inn to watch the news and get some rest. He stands up a bit shakily to go corner the organizer who's running around trying to organize, not doing a very good job of it, leaving me to make small talk with Yurith, who is pleasant enough, but she knows this is Al's night. That's why I'm here. So when I botch her name, introducing her to friends, she says bluntly, I'm Mrs. Purdy, sparing me any further discomfort for which I'm grateful. Al's back. All six foot something of them, peanuts, shells, and spittle at the corner of his mouth. I want to wipe it off, thinking, good God, man, you're a literary giant. Which he is, but that doesn't spare you the traits of other mortals. <laughs> the reading starts. Three local poets on stage. Ten minutes into their reading, Al lurches up, nearly knocking over the table, shouting, how goddamn long do I have to wait? <laughs> then marches out the front door with the organizer following, tailed by Yurif to negotiate. You can hear Al bellowing outside on Granville Street while everyone pretends not to hear. The poets continuing to read, tension filling the room like when a parent behaves badly at the dinner table, the kids afraid to say anything. Door bangs open as they come back in. Al sitting down, his arms crossed, glaring as if defying me to say something. I stare back, not wanting to look a coward. When Yorth says jokingly, Al, think sweet thoughts or you'll have a bad reading. <laughs> It's Al's turn. He's up there, working his magic. The audience is laughing. This curious old man who's so much himself, he fills the whole room. I'm listening to the poems, getting lost in that twilight space where time stands still or suddenly speeds up, momentarily glimpsing the hairs of my soul in the flux of another man's words, my defects forgiven in that straining to be human. A gift he's given me so many times, I'll never get his voice out of my head. When I glance over at Yurith and she's nodded off to sleep. <laughs> the reading's over. A crowd hovering around the table congratulating Al on being Al Purdy while buying his books. I excuse myself to go sit with some friends, saying a quick goodbye, promising to return Al's letter, at which he smiles. Then Al and Yurith leave, slip out early. Al counting in his head the take for the night. Yurith, just wanting to get some sleep, exhaustion all over her face. Suddenly I'm ashamed of putting Al up on the mantelpiece of my icons, making him less than human, wondering if I've ever really read his poems. I want to run out to the street, shout, wait, have a good trip, hoping Al sold enough books, and Yurith will have a good sleep before the long trip back to the island. So thanks, Al, for the poems, for being so much yourself you had to write it all down helping us to see ourselves inhabiting eternity in the shining mountains in this too brief allotment of time where only the saying of things is possible. And God damn it, you said it well. That's great. I read that last night and I loved it. It conjured oh, up you. so many memories of the press club yeah, too. I know, were you huh? at that reading? I wasn't at that reading, but I, I want was, to know who the poets were and I want I to know if they're, I want too. to know if they're in this book. <laughs> 
I don't think any of the poets that were on the stage tonight were in that book. Do you remember who was reading? I, You're not going to say. No. You, don't, you don't have to say. You don't have to say. But I think I remember one person mm-hmm. who was reading, or maybe possibly two. That would be so hard to be in that position. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. like everybody else is probably waiting and, too. Well, yeah. and and you know, Andrew, well, he, he, Michael now let oh, go. Yeah. had organized it. Oh, okay, and you know, and and he loved Al. I mean, and and we're close friends, uh, Andrew and I, and uh-huh. uh, so he was just devastated. I mean, because what happened was he brought down Al to, and he brought him over from the island ask him to show up at the press club at like four in the afternoon or oh. five oh, and then it because there was a television interview that oh. went like two hours um. like that they filmed but right. he didn't really tell Al before oh. he got there gosh it's so hard to manage all those things yeah right he's and he's just like, so excited but Al's old like yeah. he's in his late 70s at this point yeah. and your earth is tired and so he was kind of he did it but he was cranky about yeah. it yeah and then I mean, he, he died when he was 80 so he was yeah. yeah so he had to wait for the reading to start and then the poets are reading and he just wants he wants to read and go home yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. at right? that point for sure so and he didn't understand because they were doing what we call we used to call shotgun Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, where you know, had three poets on stage, and they were four, and they kept taking turns reading. And Al looked at me and goes, what the hell is this? <laughs> what are they doing? This isn't a poetry reading. Yeah. <laughs> is this a game show? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you said you had forgotten about that poem. Yeah, uh, re- so revisiting it, well, how do you feel about it? Or what do you... What, well, what? you know what? I've been... I mean, I always kind of will pick up Al's book take one of his books off my bookshelf and read it every once in a while and I I mean his poems have been a constant in my life but reading this poem brought that all back and then the memories of calling him and the few times that I I spent some time with him personally and uh, the letter you know the correspondence and but more importantly like I think the thing that really has been striking me lately was the kindness that he Mm. he showed me because he didn't need to you know, and he did that for a lot of poets. And I mean, he was irascible, and and but um, and he could be, cur- you know, he could be curmudgeonly. But but he also like really, that man had a not a really big influence on a lot of poets. But the thing I think, beside the thing that, but I don't really know. I didn't know Al that well. I only met him a few times. And but really brought home to me is the Alperti I know is the Alperti of the poems. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. But I I don't want to know too much more beyond the Alperti of yeah. the poems. Yeah. Kind of had that persona that he presented, but I think you're right. I think the poetry is who he really was. Yeah, and that's who I really liked. That's who I like knowing the best. You know, those poems are, are a gift. I mean, yeah. I'm just stunned as I read through them how many good poems. You're a very good person to be doing this tomorrow night, the fundraiser, and um, Rob Taylor is one of the people reading, and he's also one of the organizers of the Alperti fundraiser every year, and Jean Baird uh, is also um, essential. She's been very central to that whole effort. So I think um, Ian Williams, who's also reading, is on their selection committee for the the residency. I didn't want to say because I wasn't sure. I believe he is. Yeah, yeah, I knew that Rob and and Jean were involved. There was a line in one of the poems about how Al Purdy, you know, was this blustery kind of man's man guy, Mm -hmm. but then he had the um, softness to believe his own sensitive poetry or something Mm -hmm. like that, his own love poetry, and that he was in love with everything. Hmm. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. I probably would have laughed a lot around him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or maybe just not liked him very much, you know? (laughs) Well, he has that one poem uh, about A.Y. Jackson, 
and it's 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 a poem about being an old man and walking in and and he was a painter and and seeing the beauty of like mm -hmm. the colors of the country but it's not the colors that a young man notices mm. right right because they're muted yeah. right yeah and you have to know where to look yeah but only a pretty sensitive guy would yeah. be able to think, of even of think about that and yeah. then he like presents this blustery yeah thank you for coming in yeah, today thanks hey for thanks for having guest. me uh, we're out of time, eh? Oh, my gosh. Pretty much. We asked you to bring your guitar, and we didn't even get to it. You know it. what? That's okay. It's okay. People have to come tomorrow to hear your That's guitar. Right. So where else? So tomorrow. Are you reading anywhere else soon, or? No. Um, I'm just doing a concert tomorrow. I'm, uh, I've am i got this um, one-man show that I'm working with uh, with TJ Daw, because I'm doing, like, seven fringe festivals. Did you win the calf lottery? I won the lottery. Oh, fantastic. So I've got to have this play ready for Orlando in May. Okay, great. So all my efforts are going. The first two weeks. TJ, I'll get you there. First two weeks, it flew out of me, but now the, the last third, yeah. I just hit the wall, and I'm like, oh no, how long is, how long is this going to take? Uh, You'll get it. Well, You'll congrats. Get it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah thank yeah, you. Way to go. Uh, so that's tomorrow at the Cult, the tribute to Al Purdy. Rodney's uh, featuring. Uh, Al Mater is performing tomorrow as well. Is he is. Still the happening? Minimalist Jug Band yeah. and Shiloh Lindsay's going to play yeah. a, a, one song, that I, one of my favorite songs of hers, about songwriters, which is just as easily transferable to poets. Sweet. So check that out if you can. Uh, uh, other events happening this weekend on uh, two, uh, two really cool, good ones on Friday. Indigenous Brilliance are having their last reading of this year, uh, happening on at Massey Books with uh, Wanda Kihiwin and uh, Valine Jules are going to be two of the readers. And that is at Massey Books on uh, East Georgia, 300 block, I think, of East Georgia in uh, Chinatown. And that starts... It's between Union and, uh, and... I mean, between Gore and uh, Maine. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, also the Real Vancouver Writer Series is happening tomorrow at the Russian Hall. Um, Amber Dawn and uh, Jen Kern are a couple of the readers at that event, so check that out if you can. And this coming Monday at the Vancouver uh, Poetry Slam. It's the Youth Slam, and Andrew Warner is going to be the featured poet there. Um, and I want to say you didn't want... Well, I'm glad mention... you know all these things because I'm no longer on Facebook because I have I don't have to do the promo for Wax yeah. Poetic anymore. So, you know, if people want to get in touch with me because this is my last show uh, mm -hmm. for Wax Poetic, uh, my email is Pamela Joan Bentley, no dots, no spaces, L-E-Y, like the car, at gmail.com. Pamela Joan like Joan of Arc, Bentley at gmail.com. And thank you for all the great work you've done uh, with welcome. the show. It's been great working with you. Thanks for being so patient with me the first few years while we were, while I was learning and working it out. And then I would edit things and I'd go, oh my God, I need to stop saying that. No, no wonder RC's like always looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> so yeah, I appreciate your patience and bringing me on just like, yeah, you know, well, hey, do you have a female co-host? No. Do you want to do it? That's I tell everybody that story. <laughs> I had my whole pitch prepared, and you just said, well, we, do you want to do it? So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Glad to have you on board. And best of luck in whatever endeavor you follow now. I don't know what it's going to be, but thank you. Yeah. All right. So I'm R.C. Weslowski for the last time. I'm Pamela Bentley. And thanks to Rodney DeCrew for being our guest this afternoon. Thank you. No apologies necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what? So what? So what?